Hello, and welcome to episode 56 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And I'm sick. I noticed. I, I got the... You got some sniffles. Yeah, I got something, I'm assuming, from the GP. We're gonna Not the GP, the Open. We're going to blame this yeah. on magic nerds. Yep. It's the uh, the GP crud, we call it, right? Yeah. Seems like somebody always gets it when we go away. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm okay. And then it's like, I'm not okay. Yeah. So we'll just keep it on that side of the table. I'm going to do my very best. <laughs> I guess you could call it we participated in an event. We paid a $60 registration fee. We'll talk about that event. And we drove uh, six, like five and a half hours there and five and a half hours back. Yeah. Yep. Um, it was solid. Yep. And then we're going to talk about the Pioneer PTs. Yep. We're going to do kind of a lengthy um, conversation about Pioneer because this was the first like high-level Pioneer that either of us have been around. Yes. And we made some time to watch... A good chunk of the the PTs over the weekend. That was the first like extremely high level, like pioneer that's been around. Yeah. Um. So we got a good sense of what the format is from you know, like I said, participating in our first high level pioneer event plus watching like the highest level pioneer event over the weekend. So I guess I did technically participate. I didn't feel like I did. Uh, sure. So we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> if you'd like to tweet at us about anything you can get at us at casual tripod on twitter yep you can find us on facebook at casual tryhard mtg if you want to shoot us an email it's show at casual tryhard mtg.com um you can find this show in any of the normal podcast places just about any place you can download a podcast you can download this one including youtube at casual tryhard mtg yes and then uh, if you're going to buy cards like I did, I bought some. I uh, had to beat uh, James to the foil Euros. <laughs> so I bought myself. Did you get some? I got three because I already had one. So Nice. Uh, they're only $5 more than the uh, regular one. So yeah. sure. And they're in a PT winning uh, deck. So That we're going to talk about a little later. Yeah. So use our uh, affiliate link, yep. tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Yep. Like we said last week, we finally got our Patreon up and running. So if you want to check that out, it's patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Yep. If you have ideas for tiers or for like Patreon-exclusive content that you're interested in, hit us up, let us know what you're looking for. Yeah, we, we might uh, start driving to tournaments with, with the tryhards. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting idea I had. Just recording podcasts, in the, recording audio in the car. Yeah, content, not necessarily shows, but content. Yeah. Give you that. Like, Our conversations go all over the place when we're in the do. car for six hours together. So, first up on the list here is SEG Richmond. Next up was was a dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that if you go to the little gift thing in in Facebook Messenger and type dumpster fire, yeah. you get multiple options. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was I was like, oh good, I can find the one that. Best encapsulates our experience. Yeah. So this was the worst we've ever done at a tournament, I think. I'm pretty positive, yeah. Like, we left to go to dinner, in air quotes, Yeah. and it was four. Four o'clock. We went and got food and came back and did a turbo draft that took an hour to fire. <laughs> yeah, It there was, was the opposite of turbo. Wasn't much turbo about it. As far as, like, magic-wise, it really was kind of a not great weekend. It was not. I mean, I had fun hanging out with my buddies, but... We did a we did a bad we did a bad thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> in the modern seat, Cameron yeah. had I guess a reasonable deck choice. Yeah. Except for the fact that he was a two color red green deck that could not beat the card Blood Moon ever. Yeah, I mean he was 
kind of three colors, right? Yeah, because he had colorless stuff, but yeah. he just kept saying, I'm a two-color yeah. deck that can't beat a Blood Moon. Right. So He was on like a red-green Eldrazi Stompy list. Yeah, Thought Not Seers and... Reality Smasher. Reality Smasher. Better Reshaper. And Eldrazi Obligator. Yep. So the normal like Eldrazi mm-hmm. stuff with Lightning Bolt. Mm-hmm. And uh, green was for Noble, Ancient Stirrings? Noble, Ancient Stirrings, and Once Upon a Time. Okay. Oh, yeah, those are all solid. Yeah, they're, solid all, they're all fine. Yep. But I think he lost to, like, Mono Red Prowess once because yeah. they, like, resolved the Blood Moon. Yeah. And I don't know. He lost to a couple, like, mm-hmm. Blood Moons in his in his afternoon. But I yep. think he was fine. He was, like, I know you're not supposed to do this, but he was, like, I was 3-2 for the for my part of it, which well, is yeah. way better than Way me. better than uh, both of us. Mm-hmm. I really don't have much to add about Modern. I have been super out of the loop with Modern for a while now. I do like the look of the new Titan lists. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in the car ride. They're a lot less like combo-y and a lot more toolboxy than they used to be. I don't know if there are lists that are amulet lists, but I think you could even get away with like amulet list lists. Yeah, like uh, more of on the Valakut train. But yeah. now the amulet decks play Valakut. Yeah. I heard it described by Brian Gottlieb as it used to be like a deck that could be like a combo control deck mm-hmm. and it's just basically taking the combo out now yeah and it's just like effectively like a control deck yeah they don't even run like sun homes anymore right no like you don't have to because yeah. you're like i get a field of the dead make a bajillion zombies i will eventually beat you right or i will get a val i will get sexy jolly green giant yep. uh dry out of the elysian grove mm-hmm. and then get two valakuts in 12 you right and this game will end mm-hmm. now quickly I think like Cameron wasn't on Infect because of the fact that, as he kept saying, Soul Scar Mage is a reasonable turn one play in the format. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of like mono red prowess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ran into uh, a team of very good players at uh, yep. the O3 table. Uh, <laughs> People that we've run into in the past. Yes. And their modern player was on like mono red prowess. And yeah. I think he just said he just got some bad matchups, but I think Cameron yeah. played against that deck twice, maybe three times. Yeah, I think so. I know twice for sure. Yeah. So in that round you played against basically that deck too, right? Whew. Yeah. Whew. I was at 15 with a six, six and a one, three on the battlefield and the win in my hand for next turn. And you died. I got 18, <laughs> 18. Yeah. I was like, cool. <laughs> Karizev's expertise, put a thing on the battlefield, and then attack you with everything. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Why Why is this my life? Like, why is Karizev's expertise <laughs> in your deck? This I did not think of this in a million years. That wasn't game one, though, right? It was game two. Yeah. I, it was I game two. Because uh, our friend Greg is going to a Pioneer yeah. uh, PT this weekend in Phoenix, and I've been talking with him a little bit back and forth about what he's going to play, and I think he's going to play Mono Red. And I saw that uh, Gregor uh, Kowalski yes. uh, tweeted out his list and sideboard guide today. Okay. Um, so I sent that over to Greg, and uh, he had Kiryzev's expertise in the sideboard. Awesome. Yep. So, so yeah, I, got, I guess that's the tech now. I got rocked. Yep. So, yeah, so, like, modern, again, it's it's the same thing that happens whenever there's, like, a ban. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing happened in Legacy when they banned Deathrite Shaman. For a right. few tournaments, everyone just retreats to... What they know. What they know, plus like what are like just the blanket most powerful things to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the metagame is, 
So I'm going to like dead you with lightning bolts on turn four. Yep. Or I'm going to like put a six, six into, into play on turn three that makes two zombies and bolts two things. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's just like people just retreat to those like just stock yeah. always powerful things yep. till a metagame develops and then you start metagaming it. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising that Titan and like mono red type yeah. decks are doing are well what right people now. are doing. Yeah. yeah. So in standard, I think I had mentioned uh, immediately after the tournament that I felt like I chose the wrong deck. Yes, you you felt that mistakes were made. Yep, I lost to Ember Cleave a lot. A lot. A lot. Like, just died to Embercleave. Two matches for sure that I yeah. know you yeah. lost to it? Well, yeah, but like two games in both of those matches, I lost to Embercleave. Um, I was 1-4 on the day, so I didn't get completely shut out, but it was not a good showing. Better than me. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. So, like I said, I felt like I chose the wrong deck, but then there was a copy in the top eight. So... Maybe I just got poor matchups. I felt like bad I was... teammates. Maybe that guy just got backpack like Dora the Explorer the whole time. <laughs> I mean, that could be. He went zero and fifteen. His <laughs> teammates were just crushing it. Yeah. So who knows? Now that there isn't like a competitive event for us on the horizon, I kind of want to try out some jank. Okay. Have you seen these uh, hateful auras lists? You were telling me about it where we play uh, limited all star. Hateful Eidolon. Yeah, it's like Hateful Eidolon, uh, Elisid of Life's Bounty. Yes. And then like Ephemia and Starfield Mystic to okay. just like build a monstrous battlefield. Ephemia lets you like trade in all the auras that have fallen off stuff for zombies. And Starfield Mystic just grows huge when you do it. Yeah. Hateful Eidolon fills up your hand while you're doing it. You get to play Deadweight, Myers Grass, like all that kind of stuff. It plays, like, all the glitters to just make something gigantic. You can protect it with the L set of Life's Bounty. Mm-hmm. Um, and Karamitra's Blessing. Yeah. It, it just sounds like a really cool deck, and I think uh, it's definitely a little bit less competitive than yeah. what I had been testing, but it, it seems like a lot of fun, so I think I'm looking forward to trying that out. There's also, like, the green-white Auras decks with Secession Champion. They were all the rage. Well, that is the next deck that I was going to talk about. Okay. Is, uh, like, a the list that I found is actually, like, they're calling it Bant Enchantment Control, but it's, like, uh, Calyx, and, like, this list is using Dream Trawler, but I think you could do the same thing in, like, an aggro-slanted list instead of, like, a control list. Yeah. Where you just, like you said, go up on, uh, was it Satessin Champion? Not Satessin Champion. Yeah. Satessin Champion? The one, the one, in, uh, the one three for two and a green. Yeah. yeah. yeah the Enchantress guy. Yes. And like Starfield Mystic and that kind of stuff and use Calyx to kind of clear the way for your big guy and dig to auras and that kind of stuff. So I think that deck's kind of interesting. And then, uh, like I had been messing around a little bit with Simic Ramp. Which, like, after I mess around with these two decks, I think I'm going to fall back on that to, like, ride out the rest of the season. Yeah. This deck is just still, like, absurdly powerful. It has a nice, like, endgame engine now where you don't have to rely on, like, chaining Hydroid Crazies that, like, just get killed or blinked or whatever and go away yeah. as your win con. Most of the decks right now, I think, are leaning on Agent of Treachery and, like, blinking it with Thassa. Yes. 
but I think I had mentioned in the car, I kind of want to try out Cure Best to Sea God in that slot also. Yeah. Where you just make a giant 8-8 that they can't deal with ever because it's hexproof. And then tap their team and then yeah, bash. And then, yeah, you get like two turns worth of beating, and then, then you can worry about doing something else if you need to, you know what I mean? Yeah, if the game's not over at that point, if you right. haven't chipped in for something, yeah. you have like a different, you know, an Uro into that. Yeah, Uro's just dead. a beast, man. Yeah, Pioneer All-Star. Yeah, we'll get there. We're almost there. The other thing with Simic Ramp is, I know there's some builds around that aren't really relying on like Agent of Treachery thoughts of stuff. Yeah. But one of the other things I like about like that engine for your late game is that Thassa just shuts down so many strategies because like this deck builds an absurd amount of mana, and you can just sink it into Thassa and keep their team tap down like for eternity till you find something. Yeah, you know you, I mean? and you and like the things that you're playing, you're playing a combination of. Risen Reef, which gets a lot of value when you blink it. Yeah. Cavalier of Thorns, which right. gets you value when you blink it. Mm-hmm. So we're all, there's all these extra cards to blink along the way. It's just not agent. Right. And you're just trying to get, you know, get to like six or seven mana and mm-hmm. then just do whatever you want. Yep. Basically so. whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that'll be my, my fallback deck for this season. Yeah. Um, I think that like mono red is also good i haven't played it I've, yeah i've just like checked into like best of one yeah ground out like four games real quick and then checked back out because uh, i've had stuff going on mm-hmm. like you know a magic tournament um <laughs> but like that deck is really good like playing like annex like it just doesn't matter if they kill your stuff because you yeah. just have bodies left over and he he holds an ember cleave real well I saw some list that didn't have, like, I built a list, and I was, like, looking at, like, someone's like, oh, I'm number 26 Mythic with this list, and I, like, built it, and I was like, I was missing some cards, but I had yeah. 60, and I was, like, looking at their list again, and I was like, you don't have Embercleaves. How do you not have Embercleaves oh, in your mono red deck? Yeah. Like, I just had four. I was like, four. Yeah. Like, we're starting with four, and then we're going to, like, build the rest of the deck. Mm-hmm. And I did not understand what they were doing. But, like, Annex gives you, like, protection against sweepers. Like, mm-hmm. they sweep you, and you have a bunch of ones ones left over. Right. And then you have, like, if you play, what is it, the Phoenix? Is yeah, the Ash Phoenix. Cloud old, Phoenix? Yeah. That gives you protection against Wraths. Right. Right? They sweep you. You bring back a 3-3 three, three hasty yep. creature the next turn. It so also have, holds an Ember Cleave really well because you can sink a bunch of mana into it. They have to find multiple answers. Yeah. So I've not played it in best of three yet, but I might kick around that as just like a way to like get your wins, get wins. And, you know, I've not been, as I've talked about, I've not been as motivated to like climb the ladder. Yeah. But I will say that best of one is only mono red. Oh, really? I, so you haven't been in best of one at all? Like I, it's just basically mountains. Yeah. There's occasionally another deck, but for the most part, it's just... Just mountains. Just mountains. It's crazy. Sounds familiar, huh? Yeah, it's like it like was... Like when we first started this show? Yeah, it's like it was months ago. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are less people playing Best of One. Right. So it's not as big a deal. So that kind of leads us into Pioneer. Yes. yes We're going to do like a whole big, long Pioneer section, but just real quick, you were on Blue Black Inverter? I was. Like a fairly stock list? Fairly stock. I... We weren't sure how good the sensors were. Right. So we didn't have the sensors in. We play, I played a collective brutality and a third thought erasure mm-hmm. and a omen of the sea god. Mm-hmm. I think were my like, and I was on two brazen borrowers. Yeah. Which 
Some people play and some people don't. But we didn't have the two sensors. Yeah. I don't think there was a time where, like, I really missed the two sensors. Yeah. But maybe that was just wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think people are just searching for, like... The last six-ish slots? The last six-ish slots. Yeah, like, I think that the deck, like, between, like, 53 and 55 of the of the cards are known. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you want to play a Drown in the Lock? Do you want right. to play two Omen of the Sea Gods? Yeah. Like, what are those last few things? Like, I think sensor is... This doing a really bad impression of remand. Yeah. Like, just a god-awful remand. Yeah. But I think that's what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, I want to have something to do if I don't have a thought erasure. Right. Or if I thought seize them and I know that I don't need to thought erasure them the next turn. Mm-hmm. But I want to take care of the thing that they draw. Yeah. So, I don't think it's great, but... It's and then my thing. sideboard was fine. Yeah, I didn't have little Ashiok. Yeah. I had uh, Liliana the last hope in that slot. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the kind of the stock creature slots in the sideboard were people were on Jace Finn's Prodigy, Pack Rat, Thief of Sanity, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes a Kalidus, but depending on who you listen to, people thought yeah. the Kalidus was just bad. Yeah. And then. Some people were on Scarab God. Some people were on Scarab God. So you had a few different ways in the sideboard to kind of juke. Yeah. Because for the most part, removal doesn't work against the deck. Right. So people cut the removal and then you put in like a, a value or sticky threat to try to run away from the game with the game on another axis. Yeah. Pack rat seems pretty good at that. Yeah. I got pack ratted out of a game cause yeah. I didn't draw my black source. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah. I had Island castle, two thought seasons and opt. Yeah. On the play. I had the privilege of getting Ember Cleaved and was able to watch that. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, this was a keep, right? And you were like, yes. Yeah. And my opponent, I'm, I draw my my Black Source on turn three, and my opponent played a Pack Rat on turn two. Yeah. And his hand did nothing. Right. Like, his hand just folded to a Thought Seize. Mm-hmm. Which you had. Two of. Yeah. And he, thought, and he Thought Seize me and took the wrong card, too. It was just like, it was yeah. just like oh, this is great. And then... Didn't draw the black source and lost the game like on the spot. I was like, oh, this is fun. You should draw your cards better. I should draw my cards better. <laughs> uh, but I think it was the right choice. Yeah. I think, like I said, just me not being familiar with the deck mm-hmm. and drawing like trash mm-hmm. did not help. Like I said, like I've said that I think I'm good enough if my like dates right. most times. I'm like, I'm fine, but I'm not good enough when like I just get medium to subpar draws. Yeah. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough, enough. I never am going to play enough with a given deck. Yeah. That I can be like, oh, I know how to like turn this like garbage flare around. Yeah. I know how to turn this foot into a hand. Yeah. And I am not going to get there with this deck for uh, a bit. Mm-hmm. If it exists. Well, we can uh, talk about. Okay. You want to talk about that next? Well, I mean, going into the weekend, mm-hmm. people were like, they're going to ban this deck. Like, I was watching Martin Yuza's yeah. stream, and people were like, so when are they going to ban this thing? And it was like... Pump the brakes. It's like, we haven't it's played zero tournaments. Yeah, nobody even knows if it's good yet. <laughs> Newsflash. Yeah. Not me playing the deck. The deck good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Is it ban worthy? I don't know, but it does do the thing where... It warps the format and causes you to play weird sideboard cards. 
Sure. Which is usually indicative of a deck being a problem. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there's always going to be a best deck, though, right? There is. And, well, the brief history of Pioneer is we just ban that. True. That has to stop at some point, though. You can't ban every deck. That, that, like, wins a tournament? Yes, this is true. You can't. And this didn't win a tournament, right? It did not, but uh, let's say it was overrepresented as a good deck. Yeah, but was it overrepresented because it was the hotness for the weekend? Or was it overrepresented because, like, it's legitimately a problem? I think it was... God, I hate the wizard site. Uh, With, like, a fiery passion. (laughs) Um, They certainly don't make things easy. No. I think it's percentage of, like top performing decks. It mm-hmm. was the most played deck in both right. Nagoya and Brussels. I think it was like 13% of the metagame in Brussels and close to 20% in Nagoya. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Yep. And then if you look at the like 18 point decks, yeah. for some reason, the Brussels one, they have a little chart that shows this. And then the Nagoya one, they have to read all the deck lists. <laughs> but... There were 15 decks that... There were 79 players who got six or more wins with their uh, constructed deck. So that's like 10 rounds, right? Over 10 rounds? It's like 10 rounds. uh, So it's like 6-4. Yeah. There were 15 inverter decks that were 6-4. That's a pretty good chunk. Out of... So so like it was 13% of the metagame, and that's like 1 in 6. Mm-hmm. So right around 15, 16% of the metagame or of the, of the decks. Yeah. There were six, six, uh, six wins or better. Mm-hmm. Next was like mono black and mono black was like the second most played deck, I think. Yeah. So they were kind of there because of like being played a lot, but I think they, I think at least inverter kind of outperformed its metagame share a little bit, mm-hmm. but there were more like, eight win uh, mono black decks than there were Six, or eight, eight win, win inverter, inverter decks. decks. It was like okay. four versus three. In Nagoya, five of the top eight were inverter, inverter yeah. decks. Four being the Demir inverter that everyone played. Right. And then one being like... A weird version. Crazy Town. Yeah. Basically, well, it's a pretty good time to talk about the differences between the two lists right now, right? Because yeah. there are two very different inverter lists right now. Yeah, so there's... The one that we talked about, which is a Thoughtseize, Thought Erasure. Yeah, so this is more of like a mid-range control, like tempo-style deck. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a control deck that backs into yeah. a combo. Yep. And Which is why people are calling it like Blue-Black Splinter Twin, right? Yes. But it doesn't have the sideboard. Like yeah. Splinter Twin could just become a blue-red control deck. Yep. And I don't think there's enough cards. Right. Like there's not that like decided on sideboard plan where you get to where you're like become a blue black control deck. There's not enough cards to make that work yeah. right now, and that might change. Mm-hmm. And then this other version, which uh, what was the guy's name? Because uh, you know, guy's a madman and a genius <laughs> all at the same time. Is this it? Yes, uh, Shintaro Ishimura. Yep. The deck title says Demir Inverter. Is not the same deck. No, this is uh, more of like a mono blue devotion build. There are exactly four black cards in the deck, right? And they're inverter of truth, 
Right. So no thought, no thought seizes in the main. No, no discard spells. Mm-hmm. You're just playing Merfolk tricksters and Harbinger of Tides yep. and Brazen Borrowers and Gadwick the Wizened. Mm-hmm. Alongside a Nykthos, so you can like fuel up a huge Gadwick. Yes. Draw into your combo, tap down your opponent's stuff. It runs a uh, Leyline of Anticipations, right? Yeah, which like that card's almost a mulligan. Well, but apparently it's good. I mean, it was interesting. Like, I don't know if you watched any of his matches, like in Top Eight in Nagoya. Like the things that Leyline let him do with the combo specifically were yeah, like, really interesting. Because he could choose when he fought the battle. Yeah. Like, I, I think once he decided to fight the battle, like, in his opponent's upkeep. Yes. I think he had, like, two Jaces in hand, and that's what had to resolve. The Inverter had already insolved, or resolved, and he had two Jaces in hand. So he was able to, like, fight the battle. He wanted to drain off, like, all of the opponent's resources. So before they drew for turn... He tried to stick a Jace, made the opponent tap down, opponent won the fight or whatever, but then he was able to just untap and slam a Jace because he had drained all of his opponent's resources yeah. during their upkeep. It's good. I mean, it, it makes it more like Splinter Twin. You res- yeah. Now it's your, you resolve a four-mana flash thing, Yep. and then you stick your win condition. Mm-hmm. So they like ta- they can never tap out. It's, it's Splinter Twin in that regard. They can yeah. just never, ever, ever tap out. And it it also has the same, like the same general gameplay that uh, Leyland of Abundance did in the early Pioneer Mono Green builds, where it's two free pips for devotion. Yeah, I mean it makes your Thassa's Oracles better. Uh, it also makes your Gedwicks better. Yeah, because of Nyctos. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very different build. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if he was the only person playing it. I think he may have been. I'm not sure. I know um, Sam Black, who is pretty widely regarded as like a master deck builder. Yeah. I believe it was Sam Black made a comment that he wants to go meet this guy or they need to be friends or oh, no, th- something. It wasn't, it wasn't this guy. It wasn't this. That wasn't this guy. He was talking about Ken Yukihira. Oh. Cause Ken showed up with a Ken Yukihira special. Oh yeah, that's right. That was a different deck I'm thinking of. Yeah. He showed up with like mono white SRAM. Yeah. I think is what it was. The SRAM auras. Was yeah. it mono white or was it white black? Might have been white black. Yeah. But yeah, he showed up with another spicy meatball. Yeah. But yeah, that deck was out, out there. Yeah. But like, I don't know, there were like probably, I think they said there were 49 players that had five wins or better mm-hmm. in uh, Nagoya. And just looking at the 21 point decks, there were six of those, of the 21 point decks were inverter. Yeah. So without even looking through the rest of the list, six of the forty nine were inverter. Yeah, but I think inverter there was like closer to twenty percent of the meta game. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there are like four or five other decks that kind of like make it perform above its yeah its uh, percentage. Mm-hmm. But I think as people learn to play against the deck, I think that like the SCG event, people were better prepared to play against inverter yeah. than they were they could devote cyborg slots to it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I didn't run into any Giddies of the trials, but people yeah. could play Giddy in the trials. Uh, the Nim decks had main deck slaughter games. Mm-hmm. A plus good times. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they don't resolve that against you. That'll keep you off the combo forever. Uh, they did. 
they did yes yeah so there's there are some ways to fight it so yeah. i don't think they need to run out and ban it right away but now if it puts another five copies in the top eight at phoenix, phoenix. then like we may have to Maybe reevaluate that yeah I don't know that it's necessarily bad for a format. Like, it kind of keeps things in check a little bit. Like, that's kind of the argument people had for, like, Splinter Twin and Modern, you know what I mean? It was kind of, like, you had to make sure you could beat that deck before you could, you know, show up to a tournament with something. Yeah, you. it kept the format from being so degenerate because it yeah. was, like, a deck that could just stop you from doing your thing just long enough Yeah. for you to then die. Yeah. It, it kind of keeps the level of nonsense down to a minimum. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for the format. That kind of has been one of my complaints in Pioneer later, like up to now, is that you were just kind of incentivized to do the most hyper-aggressive linear thing you could possibly think of, and there wasn't a whole ton of interaction, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's what we've talked about before, that Pioneer has the problem of the removal is bad. Right. And so cards like Soulscar Mage mm-hmm. and Monastery Swisspear that are like good enough for modern yeah. are just disproportionately good enough for Pioneer. Pioneer. Yeah. And the same with like Mono Black. Mm-hmm. Right. Mono Black's not good enough for modern, mm-hmm. but like all the black cards are difficult to remove mm-hmm. they're and sticky you can combine that with the fact that there's not great removal yeah that deck kind of gets a, a little run of the show arm. yeah yeah yep so what were the other top eight decks in at brussels because that had a more diverse yeah. meta game so we had i'm not going to bother pronouncing these names because i'm going to butcher all of them matia Rizzi. Rizzi. okay there you go was on uh, bant spirits list looks reasonable like about what i would think it would look like um running such standard all-stars as empyrean eagle yes it's a lord for things that fly which spirits do yes yep the only green card in the main deck is collected company yep so it's basically the modern spirits deck playing minus the vials minus the vials and having to play naval gas herald yeah which that card wasn't standard playable right um, here we are. Yeah, so the list looks about what you'd expect the spirits list to look like. I did not know they had miscutter hydras in the sideboard. I don't think they do. I think this list did. Okay, I was just like, wow, miscutter yeah. hydra, <laughs> pioneer all star, awesome. Yep. And then we had uh, mono red aggro by Juan Jose Rodriguez Lopez. There you go. Is basically what we had already talked about: Swiss spear, Soulscar mage. It's running Abbot of Carol Keep, which did see a little bit of play in Modern, like when it first came out. Yeah. Um, uh, it was championed by uh, Patrick Chapin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hasn't really done a whole lot since then. Carries of Bone Crusher Giant, Chain Whirler, Torbran, Torch of Defiance. Yep. And then a couple, like, burn spells. Yep. And 24 lands, which is interesting. But you have a Mute Vault, and then you have Ramanop Ruins, which are yeah. basically just spells. Right. In your land slot. Lands that are also spells, yep. And th- they're running Castle Embreath also, which, yeah. like, if you're going to include a mana sink, I know it's free on a land, but if you're going to include a mana sink, you're a little bit more incentivized to, like, up your land count a little bit. Plus, it is trying to cast Torbran and Chandra main deck. Yeah. So, that's probably why they had a couple extra red sources there. 
Peter Glagowski. Yes. Was, uh, I think, I believe the only Demir Inverter deck in top eight. Was the only Demir Inverter deck in top eight. This is correct. Of Brussels. This is reasonably close to, like, what a stock list should be now. Yeah. Um, I mean, he kind of made the stock list. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything super spicy to go over with here, because like I said, this is... No, the thing that kind of people got to was they're like, the 59th and 60th cards, no one knows what they should be. Mm-hmm. So I think people settled on for this weekend, Omen of the Sea. Yeah. As just kind of like... Eh. Yeah, yeah, like this list did have two sensor and two drawn in the lock too, though, which you were kind of down on. Yeah, like I saw enough stuff where like drawn and lock didn't do anything mm-hmm. that I didn't want to play the drowned. Yeah. And I liked having the third thought erasure. Mm-hmm. But again, he went 9 1. I went 0 5. So right. um, maybe listen to Canister. Yeah. <laughs> also invented the deck. So there's that. He did not. No? No. It's Will. Eckert. Oh, that's right. The guy you tweeted out. Yep. Yep. He's the one who came up with it. Yep. And then Canister just like ran with it. Yeah. At least I think. Like he was the first person that tweeted out the deck. And I've seen other people credit it to him. Okay. But, like, we're not in the Magic Mafia to, like, get deck lists, like, four days before everyone else. True. Uh, next, we have Lotus Breach by Brent Vaughn. Um, this is something that you had thought about maybe playing? Yes. Not this list by initial imagination. No, this, this kind of looks like a strange list. Yeah, so... It's, like, mainly Simic splashing for Underworld Breach? Which is what, what I would have played. But, like, yeah. the Seder Wayfinders are not normal Okay. And I think kind of the stock list of this wasn't playing Fae of Wishes. Okay. I think it was more in on the combo in the main deck. Because mm-hmm. this deck, uh, I guess that's one Thassa's Oracle. Like, it only has one way to win the game main in deck. the main deck. Yeah. I wasn't going to be on this, mm-hmm. but... Archetype, though. Archetype, yes. Yeah. And my fear was with... I thought there, there was going to be more of this. Mm-hmm. So I thought there would be more graveyard, graveyard hate, hate. around, but this deck was super fringy in Brussels. Yeah, like there weren't hardly any copies of it at all. Mm-hmm. So I may have like guessed wrong on like where people's heads was at were at with that deck. Because I mean, if you look at Lotus Breach, there were only four people to get six wins or better with yeah. the deck. Well, I mean that's not ideal either. Yeah, but I'm just saying like yeah. I thought there was going to be more, right. and if you just look at what Dex did well, that didn't. Yeah. So, like, I may have been off on, you know, people, like, thinking that deck was good. Mm-hmm. Maybe the people that played a whole bunch were like, you know what, this deck isn't good. Yeah. So we're not going to bother with it. This name I'm not going to try and pronounce. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Last name is Zhang. Zhang. Yes. Yep. It's a mono black aggro. Um, I believe this was the only mono black aggro list in Brussels Top 8. Yes. This is a pretty stock list, except for one drag to the underworld is something that people are picking up on, but yeah. like wasn't stock a week ago. Also, there's two agonizing remorse in the sideboard, just as some more discard. Everything else is pretty typical, though. Uh, yeah. It's running three Leyline of the Voids, which is one of the reasons why you didn't want to play Lotus Breach. Yeah, it was all the mono black decks were yeah. on. Like ley lines. Yep. And I have seen like some of the other lists we've looked at have had like Tormod's Crypt in the sideboard also. There's a second Bant Spirits list. Yeah, the Illuminati got us. Yeah, Valerio Illuminati. Looks pretty Looks close. Looks like almost the exact same deck. 
Yeah, it looks like the same 75, I think. With miscutter hydras. With miscutter hydras. So there we go. Yeah, I guess that's the tech. That's odd, though. Like, what's the pro blues that relevant? I guess it can't be countered. Oh, it can't be countered either. So it's just like you like get your control player opponent down, and then you just bash. Yeah. yeah. And I get it. I mean, it, it attacks through a, a niv. That's true. That's something you have to worry about. Yeah. Speaking of niv, PV was on niv to light. This is supposedly going into this week on the default mid-range deck for the format, right? Yeah. That's what everyone was heralding as the best mid-range deck in the format. This is the checkhouse version. Yeah. So PV, uh, Andre Strosky, uh, Stanislav Sivka, they mm-hmm. all played this, I think, exact 75. Yeah, I or, think so too. Or pretty close. Yeah. It relies on playing mana creatures and Niv-Mizzet. Uh, specifically hexproof mana creatures because they're so reliant on them. Well, they don't. Act, this deck doesn't play Paradise Druid. It plays Gilded Goose. That was one of oh, their changes. Okay. Was they got rid of the Paradise Druids, and the argument was that like just being able to play like an Uro on turn two was good enough, or you know just being being able to go like Gilded Goose if it lives, carry added turn three Niv. Yeah, was important to them. Okay, but then otherwise the deck was you know. The standard, like, bunch of one-ofs. Yeah, one of everything you can think of. Anything that's two-colored, they ran one of it. Pretty much. But then they had, like, Hour of Devastation. Yeah, that's kind of odd. That they can't get with their Niv. Yeah. And, like, one thought sees, like, I lost the game against this deck to, like, the one-of Thought Erasure in my opponent's deck. I could have just slammed my combo. Yeah. Or slammed, like, the Inverter and... I knew his hand and he top decked a thought erasure and took my inverter. And I was like, really? This is my weekend. Huh? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's your weekend. But yeah, it plays like main deck slaughter games for like Lotus field and inverter. Mm-hmm. It plays four bring delights to go kind of get a nib or whatever. Draw else you 10 want. Cards. Yeah. It's interesting. Like this, this version doesn't have siege right now. Oh yeah. So like the other versions, the non checkhouse versions are on like, Siege Rhino and Tulsimir, Friend of Wolves. Mm-hmm. This isn't on that. Right. It's weird. So I mean, that might have been a concession to Inverter, though, right? Could have been, yeah. Like, you don't care about a 4 or 5 that gains you life. Right. Whereas, like, if you were entering a field full of, you know, linear aggro, mono black, whatever, you'd be a lot more keen on that Siege Rhino. Yeah, and, like, a Tulsimir, like, it's yeah. going to, like, two for three for one, though, maybe. Right. Come down, gain some life, fight something. Yeah. Leave an extra body behind. And then we have a uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's oh, that's right. what I didn't order. I didn't order any Ishkanagraf widows yesterday. Mm, that'll teach you. You yeah, should go to uh, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com and get you some. I, I, I will. They're only $1.80 yeah. according to this. <laughs> I, I forgot to order them. So this is uh, a Yol Larson's uh, Saltide Delirium list. Yep. He ended up taking down the tournament. And I think we were looking through... Metagame breakdown after day one, and you had mentioned Sultai Delirium won 75% of its matches. Yeah. Which is kind of absurd. And But there were only like five or six players. Yeah. And now I think there might have only been five. Mm-hmm. And of those five, all five of them went 6-4 or better. Yeah. Of that five, three went 8-2 or better. Yeah. That's kind of insane. Yol Larson was 8-2. Yeah. So when we had seen that statistic, I think I had asked, you know, what what's Sultai Delirium? Like, is it just yeah 
like traverse like what's what's the delirium cards and we we hadn't seen a list at that point so then when this made top eight i think on the way home you were looking through some data and came up with a list and man this is a james deck if i ever saw one yes it is so it plays like a really good mid-range plan runs uh jace Vrin's prodigy scavenging ooze corsair crew fix tireless tracker uh uro you know a handful of planeswalkers it runs a lily the last hope and anissa alongside like the format staples fatal push and thought seize but then it picks up uros so you get to dig super hard and or it's a recursive threat which you're filling your yard through Seder wayfinder and jace friend's prodigy kind of leads to a really interesting package that can grind super well um and you end up closing games out either with you know uros that your opponent can't deal with or it runs a couple spicy one-ofs uh, like you said, Graph Widow. Also, it runs one Emrakul, The Promised End, if you want to play something big and then steal your opponent's turn. The deck looks super sweet, and this is probably the next deck I'm going to sleep up for Pioneer. It is very Jamesy. Yeah. And... This deck grinds, man. Yeah, the, he said that uh, Uro is just the best grindy card yeah. in the format period. Which is kind of weird, because that's not how the card read when we were doing our set evaluation you know what i mean it reads as a ramp card yeah that's kind of also a payoff but like i guess that's what makes it grind so well though because it ramps you and pays you off like all in one and like if you get to attack with it it just draws you a card yeah i i think i described it as kind of like if you were able to like cast it on turn three and turn four which just that Mm -hmm. can do you've basically got a bigger tireless tracker yeah. Like you put the same amount of mana into it that you would have if you played a tracker on three, mm-hmm. played a fabled passage, yeah. got a land, yep. and then drew two Crack cards. Both your clues, yeah. Right? And just put two extra lands in play? Yeah. It, but the Uro is still bigger at that point. Right. And gained you six life. Right. And it's recursive. Yeah. And if you like attack on turn five, you're like. You just tireless trackered for no mana. Right. You just drew a card for no mana. Mm-hmm. Yep. Card's great. Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's about it for Brussels, right? Yeah. Nagoya is like we already talked about the mono blue devotion as stock. As stock as they can be. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, there are still some flex slots that people don't exactly know what the best best in slot is right now people are still trying to figure the builds out a little bit yeah that mono blue list had some some promise too so i i wouldn't be surprised if people took that and ran with it a little yeah, bit play, also. played some of that if they yeah. liked the way if they went that kind of flash style yeah so the deck we talked about briefly uh was a ken yukihira yeah playing sram auras so ken is known for just like playing what Ken wants to play <laughs> and playing it very well. Yeah. Um, this is sure a pile. So so that last deck we were talking about, the uh, Sultai Delirium. Yes. The uh, goldfish cost for that deck okay. was just under $900. Wow. The uh, cost for this deck, Sram Auras, is just under $150. Yeah. So if you want to get into the format, crack open a couple packs of... Uh, Theros Beyond Death because a lot of the cards are from there. They sure are. So, play 17 creatures. Obviously, out of uh, Life's Bounty, the one mana enchantment creature. 
Yep. So one two life link. You can sack it to give something protection. I think it's a one one, but yeah. One one. Yeah. And then favorite hoplite, which is a heroic creature from original Theros. Original Theros. So yeah. one two. It gives a plus one plus one counter whenever something targets it. Mm-hmm. And then your hateful Eidolon. Yep, we talked about that a little bit earlier in a d- little bit different context. But actually, this deck does a lot of the same things that that deck did. Yeah, has four, uh, three Ephemia, the Cacophony, yep. to turn your enchantments in your graveyard into zombies. Yep. And then it's got four SRAM Senior Artificer. Edificer. Edificer, I'm sorry. Yep. One and a white for a 2-2. Yep. A bear. Basically a bear. Uh, whenever you cast an aura, equipment, or vehicle spell, draw a card. Yep. So all the auras, all the equipments, whatever whatever you're doing draws you cards. And then it plays four Karametra's Blessing, mm-hmm. the plus two, plus two, and it gets hexproof and indestructible if it's an enchantment creature or enchanted. Yep. So it's basically a better God's Willing? Yes. Kind of, sort of. You can't wrath it. Right. But it doesn't give unblockable. Yes. Yeah. And then it plays Cartouche of Solidarity. Mm-hmm. That's the one from Amonkhet that makes us, gives plus one, plus one, and makes a soldier. Yes. Yep. Ethereal Armor. Which is better all that glitters. Yes. It gives first strike, costs one mana, and yep. gives plus one, plus one for each enchantment. Yep. Three Gerspoon, which gives flying. And plus one, plus oh. And, and for, you can recur it. For three and a white from yep. your graveyard. Yep. Sentinel's Eyes. Yep. Plus one, plus one, and Vigilance for one mana. And, and you can recur it. You can recur it. And, and then, then all the glitters. Yes. So basically a bunch of Theros Beyond Death cards mm-hmm. and a few cards. Like there are, in just the main deck, not the lands, there are exactly two cards that are printed at rare. Correct. Yep. Ephemia and Sram. Everything else is a common or an uncommon. Mm-hmm. And super cheap. And then the lands... And our call on Concealed Courtyard was good. Yeah. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> Just all the white-black dual lands you can like conceivably play. Yep. And then one mana confluence, a handful of planes, and a swamp. Okay. And then like the sideboard is... It, it, this has the like one this still has the yeah not adjusted so i don't know if you guys are aware of this but this was a open deck list tournament so what they do is they'll give after round four i believe they'll give um your opponent a copy of your deck list but the sideboard doesn't have numbers for how many you're running it just says what the cards are that way you can kind of still play some games but your opponent knows what to look out for. Yeah. When they type these out to, you know, spread to the masses, because they don't have the numbers on the sideboard cards, everything just shows up as one ofs. Yeah. And so. the Brussels ones had been updated. Yeah. But these ones have not. Have not on, on Goldfish. I think they're on, on Magic. But okay. it's like a Deadweight, Grafticker's Cage, Thoughtseize, Apostle of Purifying Light, Baffling Again, Brain Maggot. And then getting into the trials is specifically there for inverter. inverter. Yep. But like that's that's it. Like there's not a lot going on yeah. here. Yep. It looks like it's pretty straightforward too. I mean, I'm I'm sure that there is some play to the deck. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't have a pro play in it. But yeah, the deck seems pretty linear. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh man! So this Bant Spirits deck, it got rid of um, Miscutter Hydra. Yeah. You see what it put in its place? 
permeating mass. Yeah. Wow. So this card is a 1-3 for a green. Uh-huh. Whenever permeating mass deals combat damage to a creature, that creature becomes a copy of permeating mass. Yeah. So it's on the ground, turning all of your opponent's stuff into 1-3s, <laughs> and you're flying over with your spirits. Hey, that's pretty good. Well, this is weird. And like it's a spirit too, right? So all your all your buffs work on. Oh, it does. It is. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the tech. Yeah. Your permanent mass is better than all the other permanent masses. Yeah. Also, this sideboard does have fifteen cards. Oh, that's weird. Is it? Is it just Ken? Huh. No, that's the only one that has fifteen. That's weird. That is weird. I don't understand how this works. Me neither. Pioneer is in a place where it seems like you can just play whatever you want. Yeah. It seems like it's solidifying a little bit, but with the, I think with the power level of current standard sets, mm-hmm. that every time a new set comes out, yeah, there's going to be a pseudo rotation mm-hmm. where like at least until the card pool gets big enough. Yeah, but I think that the cards now are so powerful that they are just going to like displace other cards or make new archetypes. This is the first. Now this is the first set we've had come out. Right that make that uh, since the, this was a format. Right. But if you just think about how many of the cards, if you go through, were printed in, in the, the last, last year. like, yeah, year and a half. Yeah. It's like most of them. Mm-hmm. So most of these are just old standard decks that play like four busted. Throne of Eldraine cards. Yeah, Throne of Eldraine cards. Yeah. So, you know, if, if that kind of sticks in the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, like every time a new set comes out, you're gonna like build a new archetype, mm-hmm. right? Because like Inverter wasn't an archetype, right? Until, until Thassa's Oracle. Thassa's Oracle. Like there was Jace, right? But there wasn't another piece for it. Mm-hmm. Now you've got the pieces for it. So I think that going forward, you're just gonna have a lot of like new archetypes until, like you said, yeah. Until like two or three years when the card pool's big enough, right? That then you just don't have to worry about you're going to upgrade a card mm-hmm. in a in an existing archetype you're not going to just like oops a new archetype yeah because i mean like look at modern we had primeval titan mm-hmm. we put dryad of the elysium grove in it it's still a prime time deck right it's just supercharged now right you don't poof new decks into modern typically right yeah not usually not unless modern horizons comes along yes but you're not gonna but you're gonna i think poof new pioneer decks in like with almost every set I think going so too. forward. That's probably a pretty safe call. There was a one more list I think maybe we should touch on briefly in Nagoya. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Um, Mono Black Vampires by Dmitry Budakov. Sure. I think that was pretty good. I think it's pretty solid. This is basically Mono Black Aggro. Uh, the mana base is exactly the same. The spell slot's exactly the same. But they are running Dusk Legion Zealot, Gifted Aetherborn, Champion of Dusk, and Soren Imperius Bloodlord instead yes. of like some of the other threats normal Mono Black is running. Like Soren's kind of a house, right? That's the reason. Basically, to run. this is like the standard vampires deck, mm-hmm. but instead of having to be like black white mm-hmm. or whatever, you just are Mono, mono Black, black yeah. and like you're just trying to like go like one drop, two drop. Soren play champion of Dutch draw three cards. Yeah. And just be like, all right, deal with Yep, let's go. My full hand plus my four four. Yeah. Plus your Soren. Yeah. Like good luck with that. Yep. Is all it's trying to do. And if we saw from standard, that happens really frequently. Mm-hmm. So the deck is probably 
has the staying power. I think so. And like Vampire is a tribe that you just randomly get cards for. Yeah, like Keladesh was not by any stretch of the imagination a vampire world, yet gifted Aetherborn. Yeah. I mean, there's even good vampires are not playing. Like mm-hmm. Drana from from BFC. BFC yep. is a great card where we don't have room for Drana in here. Yeah. I don't know. I could argue that uh, Drana is way better than Dusk Legion Zealot. Yeah, but it like it, it's two drop versus three drop. Yeah. But like I was gonna say, like there's gonna be a black black two drop vampire that's better than Dusk Legion Zealot at some point. What about uh, Era Falcon Wreath? I don't know that card off the top of my head. It's one and a black for a two one. You transform it by discarding a card becomes it's a, a three, three two, two flyer. Could. But I think this deck, like, with, like, Champion of Dusk and Soren is trying to, like, accrue cards. It doesn't want to just, like, use cards for... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that, though, like, this is a deck that's going to, like, improve with... As time goes on. ...each subsequent set because there's just going to be, like, random... Yeah. And it... Soren's kind of absurd, right? Yeah, Soren is just yeah. nutty. Yeah. Like, the only holding him... The only thing holding him back is the fact that vampires aren't, like... Aren't great. Super pushed, yeah. But it just takes like one or two like mm-hmm. like super push vampires. I mean, and we are going back to Zendikar, which is known for good vampires. So. Yes. Also, you know, I know we're not at like modern prices on Pioneer decks, mm-hmm. but like the like this is an affordable format thing. Yeah, is kind of other than our boy uh, Ken Yukihiro here. Right. Like every deck is five hundred dollars plus. Yeah. If you just wanted to go, I don't have a deck. I want a deck. Mm-hmm. You're spending $500. I mean, there's concessions you can make, though. Yeah, but like, I just think it's funny that, like, yeah, you know, people are like, oh, this will be, like, an affordable modern. And it's yeah. like, mm, no. Like, Inverter of Truths went from $0.50 cents to $15. They're $15 now? Uh, according to Goldfish. Holy moly. It says that four of them are fifty nine ninety six, So they are fourteen ninety nine wow. according to Goldfish. That's nuts. Card becomes playable, card goes through the roof. Yeah. And so that is just like a thing. Yeah, I was just thinking like with this Vampires deck, for instance, like obviously the Muta Vaults help and they're there for a reason, but like you could play this deck without $100 worth of Muta Vaults, right? They're $25 a piece now? Dear God. That's what it says. I mean, those are the Lorwyn ones that are coming up, but. Still, like I didn't realize they were that much. Yeah. All right, uh, as the kids say, stonks. <laughs> stonks. Um, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's just it's just crazy how like yeah. we had a format that was just a bunch of like unplayed cards, mm-hmm. and now like it's just modern or standard there are decks that are creeping up on a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, just like oh, this is a thousand dollar deck now. Oh, yeah. oops, so much for like affordable. Yeah. Uh, that kind of, I mean, that kind of goes back to what we were saying last week also, though, about like Arena, where if you have any interest at all in playing Pioneer on Arena, whenever it comes, whenever that is, it's going to be much to your benefit to jump in now and start building a collection than to try and jump in, you know, when it comes. Yeah. Because you're going to like kind of get cards for free now. Whereas if you jump in in a year or two or whenever, you're not going to have comes, access to yeah. the free packs you get from just doing the free mastery pass. Yeah. 
or just doing your dailies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just not going to... Those cards are going to be gone. Right. And you're never going to have a chance to get to them again. Mm-hmm. Doing this now is... Beneficial, uh, Is beneficial, sure. exactly. So we talked about the uh, like specific weird list from this weekend. We talked about Mono Blue Inverter versus uh, Blue Black Inverter. Uh, yes. You seem to fall on the Blue Black side of that. I you, think so. You like that version like, better? Yeah. It's one of those things that like... There wasn't a lot of time for people to like make different lists. Right. So this guy could have totally broke it. Like this could mm-hmm. be the right list. Yeah. But it seems like everyone else who like looked at the deck was like, no, I think you sh- it should be blue black. Yeah. And so it could be that we all just like got into groupthink mm-hmm. and missed it. Yeah. But more than likely all the pros and everyone that settled on blue black. Yeah. That's more than likely. Right. Well, I mean, we were watching, I think we were watching the same stream. Martin Yuza was streaming this deck. Yeah. And went like 19 and one. Yeah. He was 20 and one on his stream and like had to go catch his flight was the only reason he like stopped. Yeah. That's absurd. Yes. He just didn't lose. Yeah. So blue, black inverter. Uh, we talked about Soldai Delirium. That deck looks super yeah. sweet. I'm 100% going to put it together. I am probably going to order some foil euros. <laughs> we talked about Sramoras. That deck seemed really powerful on camera yeah. despite only being $100. Yeah, I didn't see it played, but it yeah. is like Sram is just a ridiculous card. Yeah, well, Sram is like in that deck, Sram just is an enchantress. Yes. And then you get Hateful Eidolon which is an enchantress on the back end. Yes. So, like, for every aura, you're drawn two cards. And then you get to rebuy your auras. Yeah, or turn them into zombies. Yeah. So you're getting you're getting so much value out of every one mana you spend, it's, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. And in a deck, or in a meta, specifically with, you know, Sultai Delirium running around everywhere... Like, that deck is surprisingly resilient to it. Like, there's no sweepers. You only run a couple spot removal spells, and everything in your deck just rebuys. Yeah. So you make a token and then just rebuy all your auras, put it on a token. Like, nobody wants to waste a removal spell on a token. Yeah. So. Now when that token's like a 6 six Vigilance, you're like... Mm-hmm. I mean, you still don't really want to waste mana on it, though, right? Yeah, but you're like, I, I kind of <laughs> have to now. Yeah. You build a Baneslayer Angel, I guess I should kill the Baneslayer Angel. Yeah. It is interesting... And yeah. I mean, this is just a can you hear a thing, mm-hmm. but it would be, it'll be nice if there are, if like the PT in, uh, what's it called? In Phoenix, uh, Phoenix is a little more diverse. Like, mm-hmm. I think some of the decks that like people just like leaned on mm-hmm. as like just generally good decks. Yeah. Is it in soul only had four decks get 18 plus points. Mm-hmm. Now, one more thing to keep in the back of your mind is that, the European metagame and the APAC metagame are typically pretty different from the, the US metagame. metagame. Yes. Now, I don't know if that means that we're going to see an entire room full of blue-black inverter this weekend or if our metagame is going to be a little bit more diverse. Going into last week, I know there were a whole bunch of pros really high on blue-black inverter. But there were also a bunch of pros that were pretty high on in Seoul. And there are a bunch of people that were, LSV was very high on blue-white. Yeah. Like, I saw people saying that blue-white might be the best deck in the format. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm just going to play inverter. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really know what to see this weekend. We talked about like some of the other aggro decks in the format, like Mono Black. We talked a little bit about Mono Red. Do we have anything that points towards like Pillars yet? Not really, huh? I don't think. Yeah. Like, you I can't the, really call Thoughtseize a pillar because like half the format's Thoughtseize decks right now. That's yeah. Not really, and they're all very different. Thoughtseize is probably the best card in the format. Yeah. And so that's warping everything around playing Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. Dig Through Time is probably, you know, in the handful of most popular, uh, powerful spells in the format. Yeah. Like, it, it hasn't really had a great home until, like, right now, though. Like, Inverter and Lotus Field have been... Yeah. Like, Lotus Field was its home before. Yeah. And it's just a generic card draw spell and like, blue-white. Mm-hmm. But, like, on, like, sheer what the card can do... Mm-hmm. Like, Dig Through Time is up in there. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that, like, Inverter got to play two of the best, well, really three of the best five cards in the format. Yeah. With Fatal, Fatal push, push being the other one. Yeah. Right, is what kind of propels that deck. Yeah. But there aren't, like, you know, I don't think you can say, like, Niv-Mizzet is, like, a pillar. Like, there's yeah, not I enough there. So. Yeah. So, I don't think there, the metagame is shook out enough. For there to be pillars. But I mean, even looking at like, so, uh, again, the Brussels is just like a list of decks. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven decks that won six or more matches. Eleven different decks. Eleven different decks. And there were nine that won eight or more. That's pretty diverse. Yeah. So it wasn't like there's just one thing that like, you know, took everything over. Or, and I don't think that you can like clearly say that. It wasn't like there were like it wasn't like there was four decks and then a bunch yeah. of one ofs. It yeah. was two decks and then six to three. Mm-hmm. So this like it's, it's a good mix. Yeah. So if you had to do it over again this weekend, or if you were playing in the PT this weekend, would you be on inverter again? With reps, yes. <laughs> with reps, yeah. Hopefully, going into a PT, you'd place play some matches with the game first. Yes. What changes would you make for this weekend? Little Ashiok did seem really good playing yeah. against it. It looked really good on camera, the little bit I saw. Also. Yeah. Better than Lily Last Hope? I don't think I ever resolved her. Yeah. Uh, so I can't say. Like, I think Lily might have more homes. Mm-hmm. Like, as a card coming out of the sideboard, like, yeah. it's good against aggro. Even if it's not killing something, it's shrinking it. Right. It's good against control yeah. as, like, a clock. And I think it's good against inverter because most of the time they're not going to have a way to interact with it. Right. And, like, if you cannot get comboed, because, I mean, Ashiok doesn't stop you from getting comboed, really. Right. So if you just don't get comboed, you just win the game. Yeah, like, Ashiok lets you steal your opponent's combo, though. Yeah, it can which Lily doesn't let you do. Now, granted, my opponent just like took lands off the top of my deck, <laughs> and then I drew more lands. It's because uh, that's all that there was. That was all I was on the top of like thirty yeah. cards in my deck every time. But yeah, like maybe going with the more like stock sideboard mm. plan because I canister was like, here's my list, here's my sideboard plan. Yeah. To his like anyone sub to his stream. Yeah. It's like here you go, like no secrecy at all. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a big thing this weekend too. There was a couple people that did that. Well, it seems like Canister started the ball rolling. Started the ball rolling because, yeah. like, he's done it for the last like two things, and he's yeah. like was in the finals, lost to PV. Yeah. Then was like 
He was in the finals of like one of the arena ones and mm-hmm. lost the PV or something, and then did well in the Richmond Pro Tour, mm-hmm. and then won the next arena thing. Yeah, by being like, "Here's my deck," mm-hmm. and then was in the finals of this, being like, "Here's my deck." Yeah. So people are like, "Wow, this is maybe this is something you can do. Maybe all the secrecy and like trying to break it doesn't right. matter." Right. You know, I think Sam Black was like, this is much more community focused Mm -hmm. because of Canister, like, you know, showing that you can win. Right. If everyone knows what's coming. Mm -hmm. Which was kind of one of the reasons behind open deck lists in the first place. Was was so they could change how they did coverage and show decks more. Well, it was also like, weren't people complaining about it not being fair that people with giant testing teams could go around and like scout. See, that was, that so was to, like, know. work on the scouting thing because yeah. then they, like, tried to get rid of scouting. Yeah. And this was part of it was yeah. was doing that. Like, LSV said that, like, he's been streaming his PT testing, mm-hmm. which he would have never done before. But he's like, Canister just keeps winning. So yeah. it can't be the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. No, I think so. it's fine. And, like, it makes for a more engaged audience also. Yeah. Like, if you've watched somebody test a deck for you know, two weeks leading up to an event, and then you see him crush with the deck, that it means a lot more to the people sitting at home than... Yeah, then just, like, where did this come from? Right. And like, you didn't know, or, like, people going dark on, like, social media and like on their streams yeah. for two weeks. Yeah. And just testing, coming out with a deck, and yep. then no one... And then, like, he's just like, oh, here's this deck. Like, seeing the evolution of it and right. how it works is, I think, is, is good. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it is just a different way of doing things because, like, for the longest time, it was always just hide everything. Mm-hmm. And apparently you don't have to do that. Yep. I'm down. Next up, Arena? Yeah, I don't think we have anything else for Pioneer, right? That was basically everything. So. We do have our buddy Greg is going to uh, PT Phoenix, so good luck, Greg. We got cards for him and then he audible to another deck. Yeah, don't get me started with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, next is Arena. Um, we had a ton of data, like... I know it went for two weeks, but even like two weeks worth of data, we had a lot of matches. It was uh, looking at all all the data. Yeah, uh, we had a hundred and fifty four matches played. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, everybody who contributed. Yeah, and we did a decent job after the like uh, last week like tune up of the list. Yeah, like we don't have like. A huge, like a third of it is off meta, mm-hmm. or a little over a third, but we've had like weeks where that's way worse when it was oh, yeah. a defined meta game, and yeah. then the arena churn happened, <laughs> and we ended up on like deck number seventeen that you could play in the format as the only deck anyone was playing. Right, and I was like, we only had twelve decks, <laughs> and now we're on number seventeen. Ah, so here the big winner for the week was. Uh, Blue green X ramp, so that yeah. kind of wraps up blue green Bant, Bant and Saltai. Yeah, was twelve percent of the meta game. Yep. That's then we uh, ha- not Teamer though, right? I guess Teamer Rec is off meta technically right off now. Off meta because Teamer Rec has been showing up more lately though. Maybe again we, should... we got the thing where like yeah. it was not a deck for yeah. like a week week and a half and then like surprise it's a deck on wednesday it's like oh team erect's really well positioned everyone should be playing team erect and then like thursday and friday it was like all team erect all the time yep so uh and then after that was mono well i guess was blue white control Mm -hmm. about 10 percent of the meta game yep and then you have mono red at eight and a half 
Yep. And then mono black. Yep. And then a bunch of things that are around like three or four percent. Mm-hmm. Which even when you have like, you know, like so that's you know, you have two or three matches with each of those. Yeah. So it's not too far from kind of what we thought there would be. Mm-hmm. Um but we do have this weird thing in like standards have been doing this where like standard like bifurcates. Yeah. And you go giant. Right. Or you go little, but you can't jun food. Do anything in the middle. You can't <laughs> jun food. Right. Like you either, people are either deading you on turn four. Yeah. And you're playing a deck that wants to go to turn eight. Yeah. Or you're playing against someone that wants to go to turn eight and bury you. Right. And like you're just in this weird spot where you're not fast enough for the aggressive decks. Mm-hmm. And you're not big enough for the big decks. After we got home, I played a couple games with uh, Simic Ramp. Okay. Like the Agent of Treasury Thassa builds. And by turn four, no, it had to be turn five. I was playing against Teamer Rec. By turn five, I had already played a Thassa. And I cast my first Agent of Treachery. My opponent had two Wilderness Reclamations out and five lands. So I stole a Wilderness Reclamation, went to my end step, bounced it with Thassa, stole his other Wilderness Reclamation, and they scooped it up. Yeah. And, like, that was turn five. So if you're trying to play, like, a normal mid-range game that, you know, was trying to, you know, have your pivotal turn be, like, four, five, six, and somebody's double agent of treacherying you on turn five, then yeah, like, you're not going to win that game. Like they're like, yeah, you can have your cat in your oven. I'll take both your lands. That's right. all you're ever going to have is a cat in an oven. And you know what I'm going to do next turn? I'm going to take, take your cat, cat in your in oven. oven. <laughs> I'm going to double stone rain you this turn so nothing bad can happen. And then I will just take right. your cat in your oven. And I mean, at some point, you just can't play any more lands. Right. You're like, land, I'll take it. <laughs> land, I'll take that one too. Yeah, again, like last week we talked about that picture I sent to the chat where my turn three, mm-hmm. I had like gone one dot. One drop, two drop in red. I was going to play my like three drop, and my opponent had an Orboral Grazer, six lands, and a Cavalier Right on turn three. Their turn three was yeah. play a Cavalier, put their sixth land onto the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what am I doing? Like, this is right. just dumb. The, the thing that's re- so strange about that deck is the deck plays like 30 lands. Yeah, because, I mean, it... Is playing Uro and Growth Spirals and yeah. Orboreal Grazers, so you just need to get always paid have on land. always, yeah, yeah. It like what it does with its mana is so absurdly powerful that you can run thirty lands and eight ways to find your lands. Like the the couple games that I've played with the deck, I have like kept hands with no gas. I've kept hands that were like Arboreal Grazer, Gross Spiral, and Lands. Because I had lands that I knew I could put into play off Arboreal Grazer and Gross Spiral. Like it doesn't matter that I don't have anything else to do because eventually I'll find one of those things and like hammer my opponent to death with it. Like if you have an uh a Cavalier of Thorns, mm-hmm. it mills over a bunch of cards. You're gonna hit an Uro. Yeah. Now you've got now you've drawn Right. A 6-6. Six, six. And so many of their, like, ramp cards also say draw a card on them. Yeah, all so of they, them do. So they replace themselves. Right. So you're never, like... Like, keeping a growth spiral in your hand is... You get another draw. Mm-hmm. 
right? You're one card deeper to gas. Right. Than if it were just, you know. Your 31st land. Yeah, or your yeah. 31st land. It's just better. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, but we keep getting in these spots in standard where there's no middle. Mm-hmm. And that's really weird for standard. And I don't know if that's just a symptom of crisis Nissa. Could be. Where they just don't allow you to have a middle mm-hmm. uh, or what. But I like, mean, it's hard to play a mid-range game against a deck that casts, you know, a turn six crisis for 10. Yeah. But I mean, standard used to just be mid-range fights. Yeah. And standard is not mid-range fights anymore. Right. Standard is. How come you didn't tell me this last week? <laughs> you played a baji- you played a bajillion games of standard like you 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 talked for a whole podcast about where standard was <laughs> and then you were like jun food and i was like okay the man's played a lot of standard i, I trust him <laughs> and then you like were like mistakes were made <laughs> and i was like you're telling me well like what didn't make any like i think i just had poor matchups like and no making excuses and all that, but like the the games I was playing on arena, like across the board, like I didn't feel like I was unfavored in any matchup. Yeah, like I'd beat Gruel plenty of times. I'd beat Red plenty of times. I'd beat Simic a bunch of times. I certainly would have wouldn't have expected that to be my go to deck. I'd be like I had my list to a point where I could beat Blue White. I was pretty happy with what was going on. And then I just got like Ember cleaved out of the game on turf, turn four, four games. As we often say, they always have the Ember cleave. They always have the Ember cleave. Always, always, always. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll I'll look through the off meta mm-hmm. this week and see if there's anything I can pull out to like yeah. update the the headings because like clearly Jess guy fires at three percent is you know kind of a no go. Yeah. And uh, some of the other, like, you know, like blue-green flash apparently is just unplayable now. It's like 3%. Like that, that was the one deck I was having problems with. <laughs> yeah, like that's just weird. Yeah. And like red-black knights, I yeah. guess like mono-red is just a better Embercleave deck now. Well, like Sacrifice kind of took over. Because like the red-black knights list was a little bit more of a mid-range deck than mono-red was. Yeah. And the red black sack deck is a better mid range deck than the red black knights deck. Yeah. And you're right, mono red with NX is just a better Ember Cleave deck. Yeah, like you don't have mana problems, you don't have to discard yeah. cards, and your annex becomes about Reggie sized. And doesn't make you discard a card. Yeah. And you don't like you don't care that Reggie has six toughness. Right. You just care that it has seven power. Right. And Annex has six or seven power whenever you like put an Ember Cleave on it. Oh yeah. I mean, so, if all you have is him and an Ember, Ember Cleave, he has five power. Yeah. And that gets the job done. Yeah. So it seems like you should either be going giant mm-hmm. or just Ember Cleaving people. Yep. Which, again, like I said, it's weird because, like, standard for years has been mid range. Right. And now it's just like. They plucked the mid range out of it. Yeah. Like, you either go huge or you go little. Mm-hmm. It's super weird. It might just be a side effect of Nissa, though. Yeah, it might be like Nissa and Embercleave. Like, yeah. like Embercleave is like a teamer battle rage that sticks around, mm-hmm. but like teamer battle rage was never this good in standard. I don't no, think. not even close. 
And so I know it's because you, it's probably because you get the second swing. Yeah. But the number of times you like lose a, like you just effectively lose a game, even if you don't get the second swing. Yeah. When the Emmerclave come down, it never happened where you were like, attack you, battle rage something. Right. So I don't know if it's just there are better things to wear if double strike and trample. Removal was better when battle rage was around. I guess you had like Abzan charm. And uh, murderous cut. Yeah. I mean, maybe drag to the underworld does something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's like an instant speed two-ish mana removal thing. Yeah. I don't know. We'll but see. You're, but you're also just in these like bad spots where like they go one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Are you just going to like kind of take your turn off and cast your three mana removal spell? <laughs> yeah, not really. And then like they're still going to attack you with yeah. the other things. Yeah. So like you're in this weird spot where you're like, well, I need to com- I need to play to the board. Right. In case they don't have it. Right. But then they always have it. And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, good, good job. Uh, well, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like if exactly. you don't, if you don't play to the board, they're just not going to cast their Ember Cleave because they're already winning. And then if you do play to the board, they just kill they're going to cast the Ember Cleave and kill you. So yeah. So it's just this we- it's it's weird. Like yeah. when I looked at Embercleave, I was like, "Well, this isn't like standard playable, right?" Because like that effect hasn't been right. So very strange. Yeah, standard isn't a weird place. Yep. But you know, arena is you know, get your wins, get your packs. That's right. One day you'll be playing Demir and Verter on uh, <laughs> Pioneer. If so you're be, uh, hanging out around the uh, around the ladder, make sure you're plugging your data in. The uh, more data we get, the better conclusions we can draw, the more yep. we can help you out. Um, I did want to add one more thing for Arena. Okay. Um, Theros Draft is supposed to be, like, greatest of all time draft format. Okay. Um, it's being heralded by pros as amazing, at least right now. Um, I know it's not exactly the same on Arena when you're drafting with bots, but might be worth noting that they just opened up the uh, ranked queues. Yeah. So and you could draft with gold if you want to. Yeah, I've it's done like a couple. Five thousand gold. Yeah, I did a couple last night. Um, I did see. I forget if it was a tweet or a post somewhere, but um, the best performing archetype at uh, the Pro Tour or the Players Tour was Black Red. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's a data point. I know at one point we had some people asking for a little bit of limited content, so yeah. I figured I'd throw this in there. I think that for this set, everyone is pretty much on board with black being the best color Yeah. in terms of deepest. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the removal, you've got Drag to the Underworld Uncommon, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Myers Grasp yep. and Final Death yep. at Common. I've even been using uh, Mogus's whatever as removal. Yeah, Mogus's favor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that card is completely serviceable to pick yeah. off a bunch of X1s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of their other cards are also pretty strong. Mm-hmm. So I end up in black-green a lot. Okay. Because it's very, like, with the unearth, with the unearth, the escape stuff. Yeah. Um, it gives you a lot of stuff to do with your mana late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, uh, I was reading, um, uh, you know, Matt Sperling complaining about stuff. Yeah. Um, that's what he does. Yes. He pointed out there's, there's a, a number of rares that really feel like they should be mythics for limited. Okay. Like dream trawler, like 
Like yeah. that's a that's a mythic power level card. He was, I was like Nadir Kraken mm-hmm. is almost a mythic level card in terms of, like in limited. In for limited, yeah. Right. I mean there's, that's there's, certainly a feel bad though if you open a Nadir Kraken as your mythic out of your box though. True, but like just like there yeah. are he like he had like uh the the Pegasus that makes more Pegasus yes. constellation. So many games right? to that. Like it doesn't that doesn't feel like a rare. Yeah. That feels like a mythic mm-hmm. that buries you. Right. That you play against maybe twice in the format if you're drafting like yeah. a reasonable amount. Not like, you know, maybe once every like two like yeah. ranked queues you go into. Yeah. So that there there are a lot of like just really powerful top end cards at rare that are mm-hmm. like ooh. Ooh. Yeah, this is this is not <laughs> this is not good for me. Yeah. I, I only did two drafts on Arena. Um, I think I 7 one my first one and 6 3 my second one or okay. something. As a counterpoint to what I just said about Black Red being like the winningest archetype at the PT, almost every single list I played against was Bant Auras. Really? Yeah. So that must mean that Bant Auras is the underdrafted, the underpicked yeah. thing. Because, I mean... People really like Sentinel size, and I can yeah. see the bots just never taking Sentinel size. Yeah, and like that card, like just knowing that you're gonna get that card, like ninth pick on the wheel. Yeah, so it could be it could be a kind of situation where you know you're gonna get the aura, so you take the other things. Yeah, because you're like, oh, I'll take this Eutropy, and I know that Sentinel's eyes and Satessin training, Satessin training are gonna yeah. come back, and yeah. so like. I'm going to get those and just take all the like constellation cards on the front end. Yeah. Which makes sense. Cause mm-hmm. like those are the kind of cards that the bots are going to undervalue or be right. told to under undervalue because like, those cards don't read as powerful cards. Right. We have uh, one more topic before sure. we leave. <laughs> what topic is this? Uh, this topic is, um, Road cuisine. Road cuisine with with James. With James on my diet. So, um, so you mentioned that uh, while we were in Richmond, after we scrubbed out of the event, yes, that uh, we went and got dinner. We did. So where did where did we try and go for dinner? We first tried to go to Mama J's Soul Food, which um, I've tried to go there. This is the second or third time I've tried to go there. Yeah. And the wait's never not been 40 minutes or right. people out the door. So this was 4 o'clock on a Saturday, and we walked down there from the event hall, and the wait was 45 minutes. Yes. So had we eaten there, what percentage of food there do you think had butter in it? All of it. Okay. So you were going to get, like, a delicious side salad. Uh, maybe it depends what was in the dressing. <laughs> I mean, d- just a dry side just salad. Just a dry salad, okay. Yeah. So we we didn't go there. Where did we go? Uh, what was it called? Uh, Jay Nog or Jay Jay Goby? Jay Goby. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, it was. It's a um, like it's an American Korean like fusion restaurant. Yeah, I tell you what, it smelled amazing. Yes. Yeah, so um. I'm a I'm a bit of a Korean food snob, uh, so that's right. We went to we went to a Korean barbecue joint in um, D.C. Right? Yeah, and it was awesome. Or it was yeah. a Korean wing joint, Korean wing place, and they yeah. had like Korean food, and I was like, yeah. "You guys need to order these things." Yeah, 
it was and you guys awesome. were like, this is really good. I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, I know. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. And then like you said that that wasn't even good Korean food, right? Yeah. I was like, this is okay. <laughs> like I've had better, I've had better versions of this. Yeah. We went and got Korean food. And then what did you order? Um, I had some plain chicken wings because everything there had soy and rice. Yes. Yeah, so it was a fun exchange. She yeah. Was, you were like, I would like chicken wings, no sauce. And she said, what, what kind sauce? of sauce? <laughs> no sauce. No sauce. She looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, oh, okay, then. <laughs> Sounds great, I think is yeah. what she said. Yeah, I think so. She was very nice about it. And then, yeah, so there was that. And so we stayed at uh, our typical Hilton yeah. and uh, got our free breakfast. So had eggs with cheese and sausage and made a waffle. Yeah. And uh, what did you have for breakfast? I had uh, a bowl of melon and a couple hard-boiled eggs. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it was like he was in prison, just like cracking hard-boiled eggs and sprinkling like a little salt on it, maybe. I felt like I was in prison, man. Yeah. So, so the worst part, the worst part of the whole weekend, right? I got past the Korean food. Like, I re- what you guys had looked and smelled absolutely amazing. And I'm eating dry chicken wings, right? Yes. Like four dry chicken wings is what I ate for dinner. So <laughs> the worst part of the whole trip, right, is we're driving home sorry. from Richmond. <laughs> And we stop at a rest stop to take a leak. So we go inside this huge rest stop that we stop at. It's like a kind of an indoor mall. There's like a food court and like this giant store, like convenience. It's got like an it's got an iron skillet restaurant in it. Yeah, has a subway. Yeah, a Wendy's. Yeah, and a Dairy Queen. Yeah. <laughs> so I go in to take a leak. And I come out and I'm looking looking through the case, like trying to see if there's anything in this giant like soda case that I can reasonably consume. Uh, turns out the answer is no, other than water, which I already had in the car. So I spent like 10 minutes looking through this case and I can't find anything in there that I can consume. So I walk outside and I'm waiting at the car and Cameron comes wandering out and I say, Cameron, where's Brian? And he says... He's a Dairy Queen getting a blizzard. <laughs> so Brian comes walking out with like both arms full of food. He's got like a blizzard shoved under his armpit, a bag of gummy bears, like two Dr. Peppers. Okay, I had no gummy bears that time. Thank you very much. It was two Dr. Okay. Peppers. Did I have a bag of Chex Mix and gummy bears and stuff at my feet? I did. Um, but uh, my throat was sore. That was, was medicinal ice cream. Yes. <laughs> It was soothing. The rubbins. We're two hours from home. <laughs> I haven't eaten anything but melon and eggs all weekend. And here's Brian with a blizzard. Chocolate ice cream, Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. It's good times. You're the best. <laughs> then the worst part is I get into my house and I'm talking to my wife. And I, went, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh, no, I didn't take my trash out of Carson's car because I got, a, I got out of the car and I opened up the garage door <laughs> and then went back to get my stuff when I forgot to grab... <laughs> My garbage, so he had to throw out my blizzard cup. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I'm so sorry, I forgot to throw out my trash. <laughs> it's fine, but there was a blizzard cup. There certainly was. Just like, supposed to, <laughs> bust up like the cup. Friday. we got four days left. Friday. <sighs> Hopefully, Lowe still has the Reese's peanut butter uh uh, Reese's peanut butter uh, ice cream cake for my birthday. <laughs> so you can have. You can there have, we go. Then I can almost have a blizzard. You can almost have a blizzard. <laughs> uh, so there we go. So 
That was for you, Ken. Yeah, uh, you're welcome, Ken. Making yeah. me re- relive my trauma over this weekend. Yeah, I I had suggested we stopped at a Chipotle, and that's the only place you knew, knew you could get food. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I survived. I'm here. Yeah, he survived. He did not, like, strangle any nerds. Surprisingly enough, with as poorly as I played, yeah, I did not strangle any nerds. Yeah. Nobody was beaten up for their lunch money. We did have one nerd uh, who was pretty funny. So at team events, one teammate can try to look at their oh, yeah. their play their opponent's deck yeah. to tell the person that's playing them what they're on. Yeah, you're allowed to talk in and amongst your team yeah. like, as the events So happening. like I'm shuffling my deck, and Cameron's opponent leans over yeah. and, like, puts his hand up and very obviously says blue, black, inverter. Yeah. And Cameron's like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, yeah, I know. It's fine. Like, he was going to figure this out. And then the kid gives Cameron his deck to shuffle, and Cameron's shuffling his deck. <laughs> and the kid's like, can you hold it another way? Because I was in no way even looking at Cameron shuffling the kid's right. deck. But so he wanted Cameron to... Well, you were like in the middle of trying to resolve mulligans, right? Yeah, and he wanted Cameron to like shuffle his deck in a, at a different angle. Right. Which then caused Cameron as he like moved it <laughs> to throw cards on the ground. Yeah, so the kid had, had like brand new sleeves. So like as Cameron's like twisting the cards in his hand so that they pointed a different way, they like spilled all over the table in his lap and the so floor. See, like I, I, I like, don't look. <laughs> Yeah. We call a judge and judge us all said he dropped cards and this guy's paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a warning for looking at additional cards because Cameron dropped cards. Yeah. I was like, ah, just <laughs> calm down, people. It'll be fine. Yeah. So and with that, we uh At least nobody cried. <laughs> no one cried. That's a deep Twitter cut for everyone. Uh, I mean I felt like I should I went 0-6 on the on the day. You well, didn't win a single game? I didn't win a single match. I yeah. won two games. Oh, I gotcha. I won two games. I won one against Niv and one against Blue Black. Yeah. Got clowned by Mono Red, got clowned by Mono White, and got Man. clowned by Pack Rat. Yeah, that's true. You did get clowned by Pack Rat. That so, game was brutal. Yeah, it was. Uh, so many lands. Yeah. Too bad you didn't have a Pack Rat. All those I had lands in, would have been pack rats. I had one in my deck. I just did not draw said pack rat. Or the lands to cast it. Yeah. But uh Yeah. Good times. Yeah, good and, times. And then I lost my draft match to Cameron. <laughs> and then I took my fifty prize wall tickets and got one uh Modern Horizons pack and opened a nondescript rare. I don't think it was any good. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. You bought three yeah. packs I, and I, got I, two mythics yeah. got a ranger captain eos and a sword of truth and justice yeah so uh good times yeah that's yep. great yep. so with that uh yep. you can tweet us again you can tweet us diet advice at casual tripod <laughs> yeah uh on facebook casual tryhard mtg i monitor that pretty regularly yeah so if you guys want to shoot shoot us a message or leave a post or whatever you want to do i'm really bad at social media so i Probably don't post near as much as I should, but it's a great way for you guys to get a hold of us. Yeah, so my my, us my defense for that is I'm 40. I am very near 40. So, yes, we're bad at social media. Yeah. You're much better with Twitter, though. I try. Yeah. I um, try. 
You could also email us if you wanted to at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Like we said, if you're looking to pick up any new Theros cards or anything for Pioneer in general, um, make sure you use our affiliate link. We get a little tiny cut that uh, will hopefully one day be enough to maybe pay for a portion of our hosting fees. (laughs) Uh, One day. tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Go to that link. Anything you buy after going to that link will give us a very small percentage to put towards the show. Um, if you wanted to hook us up through Patreon, you can do that. Patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. Also, if you have any sort of requests for Patreon exclusive content, uh, we did have one idea that I think we're going to work towards. We'll probably do it anyway, even if nobody's interested, but okay. Um, if you guys have any, any ideas for content like that, let us know. I think that's about it, right? Yeah. I think so. And with that, we'll catch we you will at catch you at FNM.